to the card as well, just as a backup. No, as a backup, yeah. Asking, do Esregim actually exist? And the shot of the question is, the point of the question is, is that even without halachic context, one may always have the question as to whether the fruits we are familiar with today, you know, how similar they are, or how connected they are, or how identical they are to the fruits by the same name from a long time ago, uh, hundreds of years ago. Uh, we covered some of just the basic background of citrus fruits and the citron fruit and how that fits in. Um, we mentioned that a few hundred years ago there's this, been this discussion in Paiskim uh, about Murkov, Esfig, that's Murkov with a lemon mainly, which uh, is still reverberating till today. And uh, part of the, the discussion became like a technical halachic discussion. If we assume that the fruit is taka part, esrig and part lemon, is there still room to say that it still has the gather of an esrig? Does it still have the gather of pri etzhadar, etc.? Um, we pointed out that there are some major categories, subcategories within the esregim that are used for the mitzvah. We have the Mediterranean esregim, which more specifically includes the three subcategories of Italy, and specifically for us, Calabria, which we say is the same as known as Yanover, and that we consider that to be the Asregim that the Torah was referring to. I uh, emphasized for the benefit of those who don't realize that that's just something that's Makobal within Chabad, the Iker for the last 100 years. It's not something anybody else is familiar with, so in case that ever comes up again. Um, it's not a Maimar Chazal, it's not Bavustazach, uh, but that's. But what's ungenomen in Chabad? Yaveret Yisrael, which others may assume, in their opinion, is what the Torah was referring to. Then you have Greece and the islands nearby, and that's where the whole discussion of Murkov really uh, was sparked and has been ongoing for the last few hundred years. So that's the those are the Mediterranean Esrogim. Second is the Moroccan Esrogim. The Moroccan Esrogim are missing the seeds. Uh, the pits and the Yemenites, the Temenes Regim, are missing the fruit, the juice. And with regards to the last two, we said that, for at least for us as Ashkenazim, who only got to know these Esregim more recently, so there are those who may want to argue that they're not even Esregim Bechal, so the Mediterranean ones will have a Merkov question. 
And the last two began to think, and say, is it really an asterisk? That's, that's the basis of the question. Do Estragon even exist? If you take everyone's error and every asterisk, you know, you're left with an asterisk. Uh, on the other hand, you might have Ashkenazim, who Dafka will think that there's a benefit to Moroccan and Yemenite Estragon because the whole Shile of Murkov wasn't really relating to those Estragon, that whole, the whole background, the whole history, wasn't really relating to those. And to sort of illustrate how these discussions go, so I shared the teichen of an article that someone wrote a year ago, someone who was pro-Moroccanist regim, and he was focusing and, and, and wrestling with the arguments about the, the pits, and he uh, was mazabrit in his oifen. I should point out that in the, the, most, the more recent Gillian of this kaivetz, kaivetz Yitzchayim, from above 45, the same individual followed up with uh, part two on the Moroccan Estragim, and in this one he's going after the, uh, the agricultural expert who was the first to be publicly ma'ayr on the Moroccan Estragim for this reason. So he goes after him uh, on all the technical details and is uh, really trying to debunk and disprove everything that guy said. Um, and that's illustrative of that part of the discussion. The Moroccan, al the Yemenite, Tisregim, Mestama, you can have a similar type of discussion. Uh, that's the summary. Now let's, let's move along. Before we move on to the Yanava, I just want to add on the topic of Moroccan Tisregim that actually, as I realize now, there's actually a letter from the Rebbe specifically on this question. And it's actually, it actually precedes this fellow who is, at least the person writing the article claimed that this fellow was the first one to publicly be ma'ayr about the Garinim. So it turns out that we actually have a letter from the Rebbe on this very question from Tafshin Yud Aleph. Uh, letters from the Rebbe to Remuchol Lipsker, Morocco. Uh, I believe he went on Shlichus right after uh, Yud Shvat. And the Rebbe writes... They use the Moroccan Esregim in Morocco. Whichever Rav he was in contact with said, of course, in Morocco, we always used the Moroccan Esregim, the Rachazaka, they were kosher, they weren't work of none of those problems. But when Michal Lipsker checked it, and he's familiar, connected with the Shulchan Aruch, with the Mekaitis, about the Simonim of an Asrik, and one of the Simonim involves the direction of the Garinim, and he cut, it, he cut one open, and there were no Garinim. So he was dismayed, what, what is that supposed to mean? And he wrote to the Rebbe about it. So the Rebbe responded, If they're confident there's a cheskas kashrus, then they're kosher. Because the semanim are not midday raisa, and the koyach of chazaka is stronger, as long as you're certain that there is a cheskas kashrus. And then the Rebbe's mitzayin to the kuntris chagasukas that the Rebbe had published, and in there the Rebbe had printed the Kabbalah in Chabad, to be mahadr for Surahi Kalabria, and the Alter Rebbe said, for the reasons known to him, other countries have been taking other Esregim, and they have a Chazakim, Kamadaitis. It feels difficult for me. It's not uh, not the Rebbe's personality to to put down other people's Esregim in order to say that ours are better. If you say your Esregim are good, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you alone. 
moving that's not negayah to us chassidic chabad and whoever is shayach to chabad because all we know of is the men of God merazak and kalabriya. More in the Samanim, see the Svarim that uh, he's mitzayin to in Shara Kail, and see one of the prominent Makaris is the Chassam Seifer, and the Chassam Seifer said that a Sreigim from Yanava don't need Samanim. So, presumably, if you believe, if you're a Moroccan, and you believe that the Moroccan Sreigim are the Sreigim that your community grew up with, so you might have the same attitude as the Chassam Seifer, you'll say, uh, forget about the Samanim. So this is actually a fairly Chashav Makar, simply in the history of the discussion of Moroccan Israelim. It's not just a minor prati, it's, it's talk of general interest. And I'll point out that in the, the places where they printed this letter, but they omitted the identifying information, the name of the person and where he's from, so that's a given, they, were, they always do that. But even in Shulchan Menachem, their Malakar, all the Mekaitis, they print this and their Mashmit, the name and the place. So it's a bit of a joke, because the whole mashmas, oh, shivas, and that, that oh, one random person once opened an asterisk. It's a general question about what the Rebbe has to say about Moroccan Israel. So uh, if you want to see the details, I saw it, and I, it's got to be about Morocco. I looked it up in Igris, look at Igris, you see the name, and of course it's to Michal Lipska, Morocco. One more nukud on this is that later on I'm going to mention an interesting Chabad source, uh, something written by Rav Yehuda Leib, Don Yichia, written in the Tafresh Duns in the 1890s. And he mentions, he's very pro-Calabria, uh, with the Chabad background, and he writes, This doesn't include Hanekroim Al-Fakhr, so that's the Chisraldik, Morakar, Karsika, so that's actually another interesting Chabad-related marker already in the Tafresh Nuns mentioning Morocco to say that that's not, when we talk about the Suregam, Yechosim, that's not, uh, we don't hold it that way. He's not Tzad Garinim or no Garinim, just that, ah, uh, Naya Suregam coming from Morocco, that's not uh, the Suregam that uh, we hold. Now, at one point when I was thinking about uh, what I'm going to talk and how many times, I thought maybe we'd also focus a bit on Eretz Yisrael, the Yisrael from Eretz Yisrael, because obviously that would be perhaps the biggest competition. Like I said, many would assume that Eretz Yisrael should be uh, where the Iker Yisrael should be from. But we don't really have time to spend a lot of time on that. But let's just say, relatively bekitzer, that even after all the controversies the last few hundred years, uh, among the old traditional communities of Eretz Yisrael, they still have their type of Yisraelim that's Angonomen Makobo for them, that that's the Yisraelim that there's Hades used and there's Hades used as far back as you can go. And in fact, that's where they used to continue bringing Yisraelim to the Rebbe as well from Eretz Yisrael, these genuine Eretz Yisrael Dika. Asraigim, of course, those weren't considered the Rebbe's Iker Asraig, but there was some Chshivas to the Rebbe, the Rebbe was Makavo, these are Tisrael Dika Asraigim. Later, of course, they brought Calabrian seeds to Eretz Yisrael under the Rebbe's direction, that's already its own gather, and the Rebbe said and wrote that it has the Maila, what's the point? It has the Maila, if you're concerned about Murk of an Eretz Yisrael, and you think we've talked, uh, the Rebbe held that Calabria Taka also has less of a shile of Murkov, so you have the Maila that you have the, you, you solve the Murkov problem by using Calabria and Eretz Yisrael. But the Rebbe added that Saif Kul Saif ultimately 
the emphasis for us is that it should grow in Calabria. There's no way to get around that. You want it to dafka be in Calabria, like the Rebbe mentioned that in Igla, you have the idea of Mishmani Ha'aretz, the dafka Italy has the brach of Mishmani Ha'aretz, so the Yisraelim are pushed better because they grow in Italy. You don't, there's no uh, replacement, uh, there's no substitute for that. And L'chayr is pushed to Yichet Agash Mistikazach. Seemingly, the Yisraelim from Italy overall were are considered nicer, objectively, compared to, I mean, obviously, on some level, everyone's opinion of, a, of, of how beautiful a Sregim is is subjective, but one can argue that Italian Sregim were or are nicer taka than Eretz Yisrael and that could be simply up to, uh, determined by the uh, climate, like we mentioned last time, that they're just, you can have the exact same plant planted in multiple places, and the climate ultimately is going to determine what the final product looks like, and Dachzich, uh, we could say that we see this Bamuchish that with the Calabria Sregim that grow in Eretz Yisrael and are brought here, seemingly they don't seem quite the same as uh, the Sregim from Calabria Gufum. Now, when we talk about Eretz Yisrael, we can't not mention that uh, the, more, the most famous, perhaps, Eretz Yisrael Sregim today are what are known as the Sregi Chazinish. What does that mean? It means that he immigrated to Eretz Yisrael in the 1930s. And he chose Asregim, and then they took the seeds from those Asregim and planted them, those specifically, and they've been growing and reproducing from those ever since. So that way they know that they're using a, a tolda of the Chazanish's Asrik. So a few years ago, you have a publication, large publication, comes out once or twice a year, Yeshurun, Litvisha, Yeshivisha. So there was this large article, supposed to be a comprehensive article getting to the bottom of the history of the Sregei Chazinish, this is in Yushurun number 33, and this is how the article begins, just to give you a sense of uh, what's going on here. Just the question of the Asrig, Bilti Murkov, has occupied all the great Paiskim for generations, Param, Zachar Oisei Ha'ish, with apostrophes Lataif, that uh, ever since the Chazinish showed up, he was mevarer bebir muchlut bein kadshoi, which is the esrei that will be kasher for this mitzvah with noch shash of murkov. Until now, kol tvutzis yisrael used the sergei chazanish. And he, this is the beginning of the article where he's going to be mevarer the the esrei chazanish. Esrei gemelu einam tzrichim kayoim shum bediko bitter achar mukayim bechaskasam. No discussion has to be conducted about what the story behind them is. No human mind can even uh, you know, claim or attempt to figure out, to reconstruct what the Chazanish's thought process was in determining that this should be the asterisk that he uses. That's a very confidence, a big confidence booster right at the beginning of the article where you're supposedly going to explain uh, what the story is. Um, and then later on, so he says, okay, we figured out the Chazanish, he got from Shechem, he got from Svas, and there was some background uh, at the time for thinking that those areas might have better Asregim in terms of the Merkov problem. He says, but there are those who ask, how did the Chazanish know for sure? Even if those trees themselves are a Merkov, but if your Chayshish foretold us on Merkov, that the, even if the, the, the Arkava happened many uh, generations ago in the Asterix life cycle, but even if it's the told us on Merkov, the product of that was then replanted even in a normal fashion. 
How do you know it's not uh, told us some work of told they told us some work of there's no way to figure this out, there's no way to determine this, it has to be a Messiah. The second the Messiah is broken, so did he have a simon? Did he have some amazing simon that no one else before or after him ever figured out? Or did he have Yidiya Baruch HaKadash? Who could know what he uh, might have been thinking? But once he decided, So that's essentially uh, the bottom line. Everything else is just technicalities. He came to Eretz this year, he went here, he went there, he told this uh, Talmud this, he told that Talmud that. But that's essentially all he has to offer when it comes to the question as to, okay, what did the Chazanish actually do? What's the, what's the if do here? And this is the guy who's uh, supposed to be uh, working all the information out. So I think that tells us enough about, uh, well, you know, tells us what we need to know about the topic. Lemaisik, uh, what's his time? He says, uh, all the other uh, groups in Eretz Yisrael, they had their Esraging, they obviously relied on certain places, they figured, uh, it looks good now, and I think my Zayda must have checked it when it was in his day, so uh, that was their Cheshman. So surely the Chazanesh could have had the same Cheshman. But that's, uh, doesn't that doesn't tell you that this is any more special than uh, anyone else's. And this is what I've heard also about Peh from people that I know. You go, you stop the average person on the street and you ask them, what's the vart? Some will tell you, he must have been a genius, he figured out in a way that no one else could figure out. Others will say, no, yeah, the Kaidash, but that's essentially what it all boils down to. Um, so uh, I would say at the very least, they shouldn't come with tainus on, on Yanavik, because I don't see... Uh, much of a difference there in terms of their claim to, uh, you know, the authentic aspect. That's uh, pretty much all you need to know, bottom line. Now let's focus on what's the main thing from our perspective, and those are the Yanavas Regim. And uh, let me just mention, perhaps again, that the uh, the obvious assumption we work with is that the Yisraegim actually grow in the south of Italy, in the toe of the boot in Calabria, um, and Yanava is all the way in the north, and the idea is that uh, they're, named, they're named Yanava because that's, that was the source where the Sregim were shipped from. That's the, the Kudda that we accept as a given. Now, uh, now, to the point that we say that uh, Calabrian Estrig is Mamish, that's what the Ebisher had in mind, that's what Meshur Abbeinu, the Gashmias, Baruchnias, but there's not much. Uh, we can discuss about that, you know, Kabbalahi and, uh, and Kablana. So the main question about Yanava really is, what is the story with Murkov with regards to Calabria? And when we say Murkov, what we mean is grafting. That means you're taking the branch of an Esrig and you're grafting it into a lemon tree, a lime tree. That's the, that's the standard concern. Um, as we'll see in the sources we're going to discuss, um, someone writes by Shem or Meshul Azar, that uh, a Staman Esrig tree lasts uh, six, seven years, but if you graft it, it lasts 25 years. So there's a very obvious difference and in incentive for a farmer to want to go with grafting. Right now we're stamgeret, we're talking about the concern that the estrig, which looks like an estrig, but it was secretly grafted onto a, a lemon root. So really there are two questions here. As we already touched on, there's the question of if you did the Aveda with this tree, uh, you know, can we take a Sregum from this tree? And then there's the question of Toldesamurkov. 
once that Esra grew and you replanted it, you were a Markov at this time, but it's we told us a Markov, because some Paiskim do distinguish between the two, and others don't seem to mention the distinction at all, but you could probably judge based on what they say. If they're telling you that the Esra turned into something else, then the Pashtos told us a Markov shouldn't be any better than the original, because it's, it's something else at this point. It's a different fruit. Um, but just to keep that distinction in mind, because it might be relevant. So we already mentioned last time there's an Altareva. The Altareva mentioned Simonim. Where are the Simonim from? The marker is in a tshuva printed in Shalas Tshuva Ramah. The tshuva itself, though, is from one of the correspondents of the Ramah. The Shmuel Yehuda Katzenelenbegin lived in the 1500s. Is uh, the son of Maram Padua, Romer Katzenelenbegin of Padua, Ashkenazim who lived in Italy, and ultimately. Uh, ended up in Venice uh, he was an important leader in Venice I think maybe two years ago uh, we mentioned him about something but not expecting that information to have uh, transmitted itself all the way to here um, and we know that as Ashkenazi he was related to and in touch with all the G'daylam in Ashkenaz and Poland etc so in Shutarama Simen Kufchavav there's a letter Chuva from Shmuel Katanelbergen, and there are three parts, and the second part is about a Sregim. And this is what he writes. He writes about regarding a Sregim that are hybridized with lemons. Now, let's note that he doesn't actually say what he means by that, but he is referring to a Metzius of a Sregim with lemons. So he says, of course, the question at the time was, could you even be answered? The question is Ersh beginning right now. So he says, of course, ask anybody. Everyone in Italy knows you don't use those, even Aideat Chak. As I heard from my father, Maram Padua, that happened once in Padua, that the whole call only had one asterisk, which is interesting, they lived in Italy. And there were two communities, or there were multiple communities, there was the Kal Ashkenazim, and there was the Kahal Haloyazim, different communities that lived, that coexisted side by side in Italy, already had the Musig of, uh, just like you have a million Shtiblach, a million everyone's doing their own thing, you already had that in Italy then. And someone was carrying it, one asterisk, from this Kahal Ashkenazim to Kahal Haloyazim. And in the middle, the studento attacked him. I guess the Jesuits, uh, usually that's who it is in these types of stories. Um, so they attacked him, and they, uh, apparently they had impunity to harass Jews. They took it away from him, and they had to go and much and get it back from them and pay them a lot of money. Why are they muching and to get that one asterisk back? There were plenty of Murkavim, he says. All the Bate Asarim, all the, all the, whatever the term is, the dukes, the this, the that, they had, as we know from other historical sources, they had gardens, they had even houses for growing citrus plants. A lot of people were into growing citrus, but uh, they had no problem with Arkava. Adirabim, they may have been into Arkava. So they wanted to avoid all of the Murkavim, so they only had this one Kashar Asarim, and that's what gave them such a headache back in Padua. And he says... The Merkavim that grow elu, which by which he means in this part of Italy, and that means in the north, Venice is in the north. So we know, we're familiar with the Merkavim here, so we know to avoid them. He says, is Puglia, now Puglia is a, a region in Italy till today in the south, uh, just a bit over from Calabria. He says, is Puglia, we've been getting a Sregim that we're not sure about. They didn't grow here, so we don't know exactly what's going on there, but we're suspicious. And in fact, this year, Reiv HaSregim Shalonu came from Puglia. Throws in that information. Then he says, I'm writing to you three Simanim, by which you'll be able to identify the Murkavim that grow in our land, Baratzeinu, in our part of Italy, that means in the north. 
Kimipolia, the ones that come from south, those are never going to reach you. They're too far away. So the Simanim are for the Merkavim that we know for a fact to be Merkavim in the north. We're not even talking to you about the south. And then he says the three Simanim, one is that they're smoother, one is that the, the Ukats is uh, sticking out, Mashaenkin and the Astrid, it goes in. And the third one is that it's just a lot juicier, it has a thin peel and a lot of juice, so all lemon-like uh, descriptions. And then goes off to another topic and he concludes, show me many and then later added a fourth simon with the seeds, which direction, and that's all four were mentioned by the Al-Tarebbe like we mentioned last time. Now, if you, like I said, if you pay attention, he never actually spelled out what kind of harkava, what kind of morkava, what he's talking about. But as we'll see, the stam Anganumina Havana and Svarim and Paiskim was that all these Makaitis, including him, are talking about you're taking a branch of an asterisk, you're putting it into a lemon root, and the peri that's going to grow from this will therefore be part lemon, part asterisk, and the Samanim are therefore coming to identify that peri in that scenario. And like we said, they're lemon like Samanim. And so it follows out. Wherever there's harkava, you have the samanim. Wherever you have the samanim, you have harkava. He says polio. We're going to get to that. He says that was, samanim weren't even for that. That's like not even a guarantee. That's what he said. Somewhere in the 1800s, when perhaps the, say, the new era of asterisk business began, so then everyone took these yesidus that had been developed in the Paiskim. The idea that anytime someone takes a branch of an asterisk and attaches it to a lemon, oh, we have all these Makaitis that say that uh, it's not a pure asterisk anymore. So they started accusing everyone, everyone started accusing the other that uh, they're being Markiv, and the focus ended up being mainly on Greece and on Corfu um, until they were essentially run out of business. One can say uh, they don't, they're not around today. So it's not an asterisk, it's something else. And that's, that's the discussion that I've been referencing. Uh, that, oh, there were those who wanted to say, no, maybe even if it changed, maybe it's still somehow kosher, maybe not. But as we'll see, it's not so pashat that that's what Shmuel Yudha Katsin meant. And we'll get back to this in the context of what the Al-Tarebbe writes in Shulchan Aruch.